Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. In a few minutes, we'll take you live to tribal lands of the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians in North Carolina. The community is getting ready to kick off its annual 4th of July powwow. We'll take the opportunity to get insights into Cherokee history from the Museum of the Cherokee Indian, hear about advances in healthcare and economic development, and we'll capture a little bit of the excitement of the celebration to come. We're back right after the news. National Native News, I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Native environmental advocates are blasting the U.S. Supreme Court's decision on the power of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency to set climate change policy. The high court ruled 6-3 to three Thursday on West Virginia versus the EPA that the EPA does not have broad power under the Clean Air Act to regulate the emission of greenhouse gases, which drive climate change. Native advocates fighting climate change say the decision threatens public health, especially people of color and low-income communities. In statements released by Indian Collective, Michael Johnson, director of Advancement, said indigenous black and immigrant communities suffer high levels of pollution exposure, adding the ruling signals to their communities that their health, livelihoods, and future generations are less valuable than the profits of the extractive industry. Jade Begay, climate justice director, said it halts the Biden administration's climate goals for reducing carbon emissions by 2030 and puts lives at risk, as the decision will further destabilize the climate. Winona LaDuke, executive director of Honor the Earth, issued a statement following the ruling, calling for an end to the fossil fuel industry and culture of violence against women, water, and life. U.S. health officials say COVID-19 vaccines for children under five are safe and effective. In June, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration authorized emergency use of Moderna and Pfizer COVID-19 vaccines for children six months to five years old. This week, leaders from the White House and U.S. Department of Health and Human Services hosted a press conference to discuss the latest information about the availability of COVID-19 vaccines for children under five. Infectious disease expert and chief medical advisor to President Biden, Dr. Anthony Fauci, says COVID-19 is not over, but progress is being made, including with the use of vaccines. He says vaccines for the youngest children work and are safe, pointing to data from clinical studies. The bottom line is that the known and potential benefits of these vaccines outweigh the known and potential risks in children. And so patients and caregivers can be reassured that all children over six months of age, including children who have already had COVID, can now be protected through vaccination. This week, distribution of pediatric vaccines for the youngest children started across the country, including at Indian Health Service, federal, tribal, and urban sites. Vaccines are a two-dose series of Moderna for six months to five years and a three-dose series of Pfizer for six months to four years. Health officials are encouraging parents and caregivers to speak to their child's doctor about the vaccine. 
The Museum of Indian Arts and Culture's core exhibit is reopening in Santa Fe this weekend. Here now and always highlights indigenous people of the Southwest. It showcases never-before-seen items and state-of-the-art technology, but it also sets the standard for collaboration with the Native community, says Santa Clara Pueblo curator Tony Chavaria. They know the ins and outs. They know what's appropriate and what's not appropriate to discuss. In the past, that's always been an issue with museums. Things were presented inaccurately are kind of like in this pan-Indian voice. So it's important to get that community voice so that they can present things that they want people to know, what they want the world to know about them. Among items in the exhibit are the traditional dress Deb Holland wore when sworn into Congress in 2019, and a Zuni Oya maiden dress, which was put together by women from Zuni Pueblo. The grand opening celebration for the public takes place July 2nd and 3rd. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the American Indian College Fund, providing millions of dollars of scholarships to Native students every year. Applications are accepted through May 31st at collegefund.org or by phone at 800-766-FUND. Support by the Albuquerque Hispano Chamber of Commerce's Convention and Tourism Department, providing complete convention and visitor planning services to Hispanic and Native American conventions. Information on convention and tourism services at ahcnm.org. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. Live from the Kuala Boundary in North Carolina, this is Native America Calling, I'm John Spruce. Today kicks off the annual Eastern Band of Cherokee 4th of July Powwow. This is the 47th year for the event that draws dancers, singers, and spectators from all over the world. We're taking the opportunity to learn more about Cherokee history and traditions, as well as advances the tribe is making in the areas of healthcare, economic development, and education. We'll talk with a well-known Eastern Cherokee fancy dancer participating in the powwow. We'll also sit down with the director of the Museum of the Cherokee Indian to learn more of the tribe's history and culture. Let's begin with a brief overview. At the height of its pre-colonial influence, the Cherokee presided over an indigenous empire that stretched across what are now seven southeastern U.S. states. Then the 1830 Indian Removal Act resulted in the forced relocation of about 16,000 Cherokees, nearly a quarter of whom perished during a trail of tears to Indian territory, which later became the state of Oklahoma. Some Cherokees eluded the Trail of Tears by seeking refuge in the dense forested woodlands of the Smoky Mountains. Others later returned to their southeastern ancestral homelands from out west. Click ahead almost 200 years, and here we are today with our first guest on our show, Mr. Daniel Tramper, owner of Deer Clan Productions. Daniel, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Glad to be here. It is a beautiful, sunny 4th of July weekend here in Cherokee, North Carolina. We're broadcasting live from the Museum of the Cherokee Indian. Big powwow this weekend. Lots of tourists walking around inside the museum, outside, gift shops, restaurants, crowded. 
beautiful river right across the road there, full of people, rafting, swimming, fishing. Daniel, tell us, is Cherokee always just popping on Friday afternoons? Yes, during the summertime, we, weekends are very popular. Well, I'm just having a blast here, really enjoying myself. Tell us more about the powwow. What time is Grand Entry tonight? Uh, Grand Entry is at 7, 7 p.m. tonight. Uh, Saturday, it's 1 and 7, and Sunday, it's 1. So, uh, powwow itself, we last year we had about 450 dancers and singers that come out and, and celebrate 4th of July with us. Dancers from all over Indian country? Yes, all over Indian country. How much prize money is at stake this weekend? Uh, $150,000. Wow, that's big money. Any exciting specials planned? Yeah, we got all kinds of specials. Uh, we got our, we always try to do the Missing and Murdered Women specials. Last year we had the Jingle Dress. This year we're having a Fancy Dance special. Women's Fancy Dance special, I should say. And your head dancers this year, who are they? Uh, generally, when we are head dancers, we pick them uh, daily uh, during the sessions. Awesome, awesome. Now, this is the 47th anniversary of the powwow. When did you first become involved, Daniel? Actually, I've been involved with the Cherokee powwow probably over 30 years now. Now, in addition to owning Deer Clan Productions, you manage the powwow. You are also an accomplished powwow dancer yourself. You are a three-time world champion hoop dancer, and I know you also love a good piece of Cherokee fry bread. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like I said earlier, that. The hoop dance, that's been many pounds ago. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you still get out and, and yeah, I still, kick up the dust now yeah, and Yeah, I still perform. I do a lot of shows and stuff like that. I, I still love dancing. I'm always going to love dancing. I've been dancing with my, me and my family's been dancing here. Uh, started in street Turkish probably the early 70s. So uh, I started dancing when I was two, three years old when I turned 57 this year. Now, what all goes into organizing an event like the Cherokee Powwow? Looks like a big production. Yes, it is. It, it takes takes us about, we've been out there about a week and a half getting everything together from uh, sitting at the tents, the sound, the vendors, the, you know, the grounds. grounds. Not only that, we are making sure all my head staff is, gets here. Like one flew in last night from Montana. We had to make sure we had to get him in out of Ashwan. Actually, one of my MCs from uh, Canada, Delta, canceled their flight four days ago, so he's not going to be able to make it. But, yeah, it's just stuff like it. It's always scheduling, making sure everybody's there. Uh, going into the powwow to, to set it up, your months in advance of getting everything together. Now, how big is your staff and crew there on site? Uh, my head staff is this year we're probably looking at about Fifteen all together. We got our we got our MCs. We got our arena directors, uh, dance judges, drum judges, tabulators, uh, and that's our our head staff. But like my production crew, we're probably got ten, maybe fifteen, and then my grounds crew, we're looking at about a ten, fifteen, and then also our uh, ticket. The gate people were about eight, nine people there. So all together, probably about 50. Now, Deer Clan Productions, you don't just manage the powwow. You do other events all over the boundary. Yes. What, else, what other kinds yes. of events do you Actually, do? what we do, we, do we, are, we are a Native American production company. We, also, we do special events. I'm also doing the bonfire. It runs all summer long from, I think, we started in May, and we'll go to end of October. 
but we also subcontract with our casino. We do all the concerts from stage handing to written stages to videos to sound lights, whatever they need. Now, in addition to the powwow, uh, fireworks show this weekend? Yes, actually, and I always tell everybody, and I'm probably biased, I think we got the best fireworks show in Western North Carolina. Uh, we This year, we were fortunate enough to get the number one fireworks company in the United States. they the one that does the Super Bowl, stuff like that. We've been uh, back and forth to them the past four months, so we should have a really good show. It's Saturday night at 10 p.m. Now, Daniel, with the pandemic, uh, the last few years, it's, it's been tough on, on the powwow circuit. A lot of events have been canceled. How has it impacted your business, your clan productions? And is this, was the powwow held last year as well? Uh, yeah, actually, last year we had a record breaking. Uh, we, everything dropped, uh, restrictions dropped about two weeks before the powwow. And like I said, we had a record breaking in dancers uh, audience. We had probably, I think about 7,000 people walk through the gate last year. Uh, this year we're talking, uh, hopefully, I always say people's got more options this year. Last year, everybody was just starving to get out, and no matter what it was, what event it was, they was just starving to get out. This year they got more options, so, and plus gas prices. We, that's going to impact everything. So, But I'm, I'm sure we'll still have a good weekend. Now, Cherokee, like I mentioned earlier, it's just a lot of people come here, tourists. Uh, it's just a lot to do here. There's a lot of different places to visit. Uh, we're here at the museum. There's things for kids to do. Have you lived here your whole life on the Kuala Boundary? Yes, I've, I'm born and raised here. Yeah, but I've got to travel, so. Well, I know you were in Albuquerque this year at the Gathering of Nations. Uh, you go out to other powwows and events, and, and you promote this event as well as other aspects of Cherokee culture. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Actually, I'm one of the cultural ambassadors for our tribe, one of the warriors. But, yeah, we travel. We do a, a lot of promoting with the powwow. Like I said, I've been in the powwow scene for 30 years or more. I pretty much know where everybody uh, Watch a lot of lot of dancers come up from being little to I'm seeing seeing their kids dance now, you know, uh, and just promoting the powwow is it's just like a big family. We all everybody knows everybody. Everybody takes care of everybody. Yeah, it's just a celebration. Well, tell us more about the Warriors. Oh, the Warriors. Okay, uh, we are cultural ambassadors. We started. I'm thinking like 15, 20 years ago, uh, it was a, the Warriors is our culture when Timberlake was around, when they, when you got to see us dance, we was, we was dressed in our 18 time, 1800s time period clothing, and Timberlake actually thought it was a welcome dance, but what it really was, was a, you're welcome to Cherokee country, but if you get out of the line, this is the gentleman who you have to deal with. And it is actually took off when we first started. I mean, Mary Jim Lesko was one of the ladies that founded it, and uh, it's it's got it took off. I always tell everybody we brought pride back to Turkey. Uh, we we got called names when we first started, stuff like that. But we got to see our youngsters come up. Our we used to go into schools and we had four or five of the little ones dancing like us, you know, and that just made us swell with pride because we know our traditions gonna continue. 
Now, the warriors, this is traditional Cherokee culture. So the regalia, the dances, the songs, this isn't powwow, right? No, no, it's, it's, it's not powwow. This is uh, Cherokee tr tradition, like I said, 18 time periods, where anything that had to do with uh, 18 time, 1800 time periods, that's what you saw. Well, Daniel, a lot of people coming in from all over the country, native people, non-native alike, tourists, uh, more than anything else, what do you want folks to take home when they come to Cherokee and visit the powwow and see the culture, see the dances, what do you want them to take home with them? I want them to take home a good experience, a good feeling. Cherokee's always been a good spiritual place to come and visit because that's what I get a lot of talk when people come and they talk about being here in Cherokee. And when they leave, they've got that feeling of peace, home. They want to come back. They always want to come back to visit the museum, visit the village, the Walker Mountains. Yeah, and they just uh, a lot of people come tell me that uh, if so, it likes coming home. Well, I know you're really busy. You've got a, a lot going on later today. Grand entry again. What time is it? Uh, Seven p.m. Seven p.m. this evening here, Cherokee, North Carolina, forty-seventh annual Cherokee powwow. We're talking with Daniel Tramper. He's the owner of Deer Clan Productions. He's a three-time world champion hoop dancer. He's also a cultural ambassador for the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians and a great guest to have to kick off our show today, celebrating the history, the culture, the legacy of the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians. I'm your host, Sean Spruce. You're listening to Native America Calling. We do have to take a short break, but we'll be back shortly. And again, we're talking about the 47th annual Cherokee Pow Wow, Cherokee, North Carolina, Western North Carolina, in the heartland of the Smoky Mountains. We'll be back right after this short break. There is more than one way to break into the movie industry. Some native actors have appeared in several movies, but you might not know their names. They prefer to stay in the background as extras. We'll hear about the low-profile world of native movie extras on the next Native America Calling. Support by Indigenous Pact, a healthcare consulting company working to create health equity in Indian country. Indigenous Pact offers solutions to fit the needs of your tribe. Their team, experts in healthcare strategy, policy, and innovation, provides a one-of-a-kind plan to solve the issues specific to your community. Indigenous Pact works to create three primary outcomes, healing spaces, healthy citizens, and sustainable economies. More information at indigenouspact.com. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm your host, Sean Spruce. Today, we're live from Cherokee, North Carolina, and talking with tribal members of the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians, talking about health care, economic development, tourism, and education. Those are just a few of the areas where the tribe is a leader amongst Native nations. Our next guest is with us now, Shana Bushyhead Condo. She is the executive director here at the Cherokee Museum at the uh, the, Indian, the Museum of the Cherokee Indian, excuse me. Jada, great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. 
Well, tell us more about the museum here. When did it first open? Yeah, the museum um, opened in 1948. It makes this one of the oldest tribal museums in the country, which is, I mean, we love that. Uh, so everything that we do here, we feel like we're building on a legacy of a, a, a long legacy, uh, which is which is exciting. So um, economically at that time, the tribe, uh, we had had logging in the area was sort of one of those things that put food on the table. The tribe as a whole made a decision to uh, focus on tourism around that time. So there are three of us, uh, Cherokee Historical Association, Kuala Co-op. So Cherokee Historical has the village. It also has um, Unto These Hills, the outdoor drama. So that's the uh, kind of lefty living history museum where people can go and, yes. and experience what Cherokee life was like 200, 300, 400 years right, ago. Right, exactly. So that's one of the entities that opened around the same time as we did. And also Kuala Co-op, um, which is a, it's still an innovative artist co-op. They've got about 300 artist members. Um, and you know when you go and you shop there that you're always getting something done by a Cherokee citizen, like Eastern Band citizen. So the, we celebrate our 75th anniversary next year, so we're excited about that. Uh, Koala just did it last year. Thank you. Yeah, so we're all sort of, we all came up around the same time um, and putting uh, Cherokee history and culture at the forefront of our tourism and economic development. Now there's the museum here. There are these other venues you mentioned. About how many visitors get annually to all of these different venues? You know, I don't actually have that number for everybody, but for us at the museum, we average around 85,000 a year. And folks from all over the world? All over, yeah. Um, we're hoping um, in more recently to, to focus on our uh, Native community, which is um, sort of a shift for us. Uh, so that's going to be something exciting that, that we turn to. Now, what exhibits here at the museum are currently on display? So we have a permanent um, exhibit that uh, was done, oh, let's see, 1998 was uh, when that renovation happened of our permanent collection, uh, or permanent exhibit, excuse me. And that was, uh, it was exciting, innovative at the time. That was and museums were sort of looking to do a more immersive experience. So when you take a look in there, it's like you sort of are walking into a, um, uh, like a, it's, it's dark and it's quiet in places, but they were implementing technology at the time, like holograms, that sort of thing. So the technology was like super amazing, but uh, it's about 20 some years old. So one of the things we're excited about doing uh, in the future um, on our strategic plan is to do a renovation of that exhibit, which is going to be exciting. <laughs> now, Shana, you've had a, a really distinguished career. You were born in Montana. I understand you went to high school in Wisconsin, and then mm -hmm. later you held a position with the National Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C. What brought you back home to Cherokee? Ah. <laughs> um, I remember reading The One Feather, or actually my husband was reading The One Feather. The One Feather, the tribal paper here. Yeah, so. yeah. And so um, I had gotten that job at the gallery, was really excited to be working in D.C. Um, and sort of, you know, native representation in museums has been the, the thread that runs throughout my career. Uh, and, of course, at the National Gallery, it, you know, I was... Uh, one of the only Native people on staff. Um, and so doing that work um, was, was uh, much
much different uh, than the work that I'm doing. Well, Shannon, we want to be mindful of your time. I know you got a museum to run here, big weekend with the powwow and all. But uh, where can our listeners go to learn more about the Museum of the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians and other aspects of the history and culture here? Yeah, I would direct people to our website, um, mci.org um, is our website. And we're constantly making updates, and that's where you can find uh, all the current information. Well, thank you so much, Shana. That was Shana Bushyhead Condell, the director of the Museum of the Cherokee Indian. And we have now with us Eric Bird. And for anybody who likes to powwow, who spends a lot of time on the powwow scene, you name the name well. Eric Bird, he is a champion fancy dancer many times over. He travels all over Native America, hits a lot of powwows. He's been the head man dancer at Gathering of Nations. He's won this powwow here on the 4th of July many times. Eric, great to have you on the show. Thank you, man. It's nice to be here. Absolutely. You, you excited for the weekend? Yeah, man, I am. I always like this weekend. One of my favorites. Now, you're a fancy dancer specifically, right? Yes, sir. What are some big powwows you've won over the years? I know you've been all over. I, I know you've got a lot of, a lot of championships. <laughs> man, you know, put me on the spot like this. <laughs> um, and the most notable, I would say, would be um, Rocky Boy, Montana. They've uh, put on about three fancy specials, and out of those, I won two and got second. The other one ended up with uh, second place in regular contests. So that was probably the most notable uh, championships that I've won. That was back in 2012. Now, Daniel mentioned he's been involved in powwow a long time. When did you first start dancing? Man, I would say... What got my interest was there used to be an old amusement park in Maggie Valley called um, Ghost Town in the Sm in the Sky. They had fancy dance, like, like little powwow exhibit there. And I went there with my mom and my cousins. The first time I seen it, Daniel was actually one of the dancers there and his brother Hoss, Tramper. After I seen it, I was, I was hooked. I told my mom that, you know, I wanted to do this. And she did what she could to help me, and she... um actually found, told me that Daniel was my family. And they, she took me to him and told him that I wanted to dance. And it was kind of, yeah, after that, he sh showed me, that, told me, well, show me what you got. And I kind of showed him what I had, and he kind of just molded me from there. And then um, there was used to be these shows here on the streets here uh, for tourists in the summertime. And a man by the name of Dane, Dane Feather, he was one of the showrunners here. And, me not knowing at the time, me just thinking I was attracting the crowd, he would put on um, these fancy dance songs on a CD, and I would be out there just dancing, attracting crowds, not knowing that it was making me a better dancer at the time. Now, how old were you during this time, Eric? Sheesh, I was like maybe nine. You were a kid. Yeah, I was just a kid. Wow. Now, Maggie Valley, that's that little town just, just right over the mountain. Yeah, just right over the mountain, and it's not far, about 15 minutes away. Fascinating, fascinating. So um, even though powwow isn't necessarily something that the Cherokee did long ago, it seems like it's really taken hold here. A, a lot of uh, Eastern band members participate in powwow. They dance, they sing, uh, they get involved with managing the powwows. Has it always been like that here since you were a kid? It seems that way. I've, um, we've always had a big hand. We've always want to make some put our name out there in the power world for people to keep coming back. So it's always kind of seemed like that since I was a kid. 
Now you'll be dancing this weekend here at the Pow Wow? Yes, I'll be dancing. I won't be competing out of respect to my other people that come in. I've I've won enough here, you know. I don't <laughs> I just wanna um let everybody compete and have a good time. I wanna dance for the people that didn't get because I didn't get to dance last year. I had a, a torn ACL that I just recently had surgery back last July, July twenty first. So last year I put on a fancy dance special to give back to my my community because people like to come and watch me dance and I couldn't. I was unable to so I put on a dance special and still try to give back in some way to my community. But I will be dancing this weekend. You're going to let some other dancers come in and, and get a shot at the prize money because you've won this powwow many times. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hate to say that, but yeah. <laughs> now, powwow, it's, it's a sport. I mean, it's you, you get out there, you dance, uh, you got to stay limber, limber you got to work out, you got to stay healthy, you can get injured. How do you keep your body fit? in prime shape to keep dancing i would say just cardio man cardio is a big part of it like um running i back before i tore my knee i was running like six miles a day and then going and playing stickball and then since my surgery i've been rehabbing my knee slowly getting back to running my miles so okay um this past i would say since last year i've been uh, dabbling in motocross a lot so if i can stay off my bike i can stay healthy and be able to power off a little while without laying it down and wrecking. <laughs> <laughs> now, any plans to retire? Or do you do you want to keep dancing as long as you can? Oh uh, yeah, I'm like I said, um, motocross has been our life for the past year and a half now. But my kids are more into it now that they're older. I have a three year old daughter and a one year old son, and they're all about power. They would like to dance, so that that kind of a rejuvenation for myself because I kind of took a step back to focus on myself these past couple of years and now it's just slowly coming back around and getting gaining back interest in my life and become renewed my love for it seeing my kids dance and how many children do you have I have a 13 year old son seven year old daughter three year old daughter and a one year old son and the older ones they all dance or how about the yes, young ones they, too? they all dance my 13 year old son dances chicken my seven year old daughter dances ho-chunk applique my my three-year-old daughter will dance fancy show, and my one-year-old son, I just recently got him a little fancy dance outfit. <laughs> now, Eric, on a really busy year, about how many powwows do you travel to? Man, when I, like I said, when I was traveling a lot, it would be from the Gathering of Nations on until Durant powwow in Oklahoma, which was in December, and that would kind of end it. It would be like, I had to feel like, I felt like I had a need to get my name out there and I was doing it every weekend. But now it hasn't been so much because, like I said, the pandemic slowed up a lot of things and then just life, you know, in general. But like I said, everything's coming back around and my kids are about it. So, Well, Eric, thank you for coming on the show today, sharing some of your life experience, talking about the powwow, your family history. Really appreciate it. And, and, and have a great powwow this weekend. Yeah, man, thank you. I appreciate you for having me on the show. Yeah. Thank you. We'll be right back after this short break from Cherokee, North Carolina. Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian Country has put its trust in Amerind, providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, protecting tribal sovereignty, and keeping dollars in Indian Country are Amerind's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at amerind.com. That's A M E R I N D.com.
a, a lot of opportunities for Eastern Band members to, to go on and, and pursue higher education scholarships and various other resources available here? Absolutely. You know, we are blessed to have resources to, to assist with education um, in that area. We do have some economic development um, areas that comes with the casino and, and it's um, um, it being here. So it has helped our people. You know, obviously, I like to live by example. And, you know, I did my best to, um, you know, from having a GED um, and not having a lot of role models, you know, I wanted to make sure that I did everything I could to give other people opportunity to see people like them go as far as they wanted to go. I didn't need that doctorate, but somebody did, you know. So I really just want to make sure that I can be um, that light for others if they choose to. Now, do you have other family members that work in healthcare? I do. Um, I do. So, um, yeah, I, I don't have um, probably not immediate family members, but I do have some extended. Now, you mentioned the casino, and, and anybody who, who comes into Cherokee, you can't miss it. It's just this huge, huge building. I remember the first time I came to Cherokee, it was, it was a lot smaller, but over the years, it's been added on to hotel, event center, more, more casino space, and uh, you get a chance to go over there on weekends? Do you guys... I don't go much to the casino unless there's an event or something happening. We'll go and eat because they have some good food there. So um, it just diversifies it. It's almost, I almost feel like it's like a cruise ship in the ocean. You know, you get a lot of diversity in there. Uh, people come from all areas to the casino. So, Like I said earlier, there's so much to do here. There's a, a tribal movie theater. I think you folks are showing the, the new Top mm -hmm. Gun right here on the, on the Kuala Boundary. There's a lot of... A lot of things for kids, the, the, the river, there's uh, go-karts. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the we've had local uh, movie theaters shut down, so we're kind of the only one in the, the little catchment here. So, And they're getting ready to upgrade some seats there, so I'm excited about that. You know, we always go, me and my kiddos, on the weekend and see a good movie. So I'm imagining somebody listening to our show right now, maybe they're in Montana, maybe they're in Washington State, maybe they're in Alaska, and they're thinking, wow. Cherokee, North Carolina sounds pretty cool. What do you want to tell them? Why should they come visit? I think that there's so much heart here. There's so much community here. Um, if you really want to get to know our communities, go to a ball game, you know, go to a, a local event. Uh, <laughs> you get the opportunity to do that. You'll, you'll say, well, who are you? And so that's who we are. You know, we are, we are a people. We are a collective one, and I, and I love that about us. So get that experience. Go to water. You know, it's just amazing. There's something about the water. Well, we're speaking with Dr. Frida Saylor, who's the Clinical Director of Behavioral Health Services at Cherokee Indian Hospital. We're talking about health care here on the Kuala Boundary, but we're also talking about just what it's like to live here in Cherokee, North Carolina, what it's like to grow up here. Frida, you have children? I do. I have four, four boys, ages uh, 25, 24, 6, and 8. You mentioned ball earlier. Are you talking about football, baseball, or stickball? Well, we sure do like our football here, but um, stickball has, like, revamped over the last several years, and I just am absolutely excited about it. My six- and eight-year-old, especially during fair time in October, people really love to, to come out and see a lot of the um, stickball games that they have. And my little ones are playing now, so they'll be uh, at EBCI night for the Atlanta Braves on the 23rd. And the L.A. Dodgers, they'll be doing an expedition game there. So they just love it. 
Now, stickball, for listeners that aren't familiar, that is a traditional game, kind of like lacrosse, but different. Can you give us a, yeah. a little overview of how it works? So I'm not the best at it, but I know that it's rough and tumble and not a lot of rules, and some people call it ending ball, right? Um, and so we, um, you can't pick up the ball with your hand. you got to scoop it up with your stick, and then you can take it out of your stick and run with it through the, um, the, the two goals at the end, the two sticks at the end, and you have uh, – not a lot of rules and so my <laughs> boys wa- tussle around with it a lot they love it i've watched a few games over the years and yes pretty much anything goes and i know you've got specific fields here on the koala boundary that are dedicated just to yeah. football which is is really fascinating and in other parts in i mean i've been to, to uh oklahoma i know uh, uh they've got some uh the choctaw have have a big they play it there and in Mississippi as well. And yeah. do you folks travel and ever go visit some of those communities? Um, we haven't yet. Um, I know that there might be other stickball teams that do that. I know they're talking about doing that. I heard some um, some rumors that maybe they're talking about playing some games with other tribes. So we'll see how that works out. I'd love to see that. Well, going back to healthcare and the Eastern Band has just had so many pioneering efforts that we've talked about. But what are some, some more goals down the, down the line, five, ten years out? What, what are you folks thinking about in terms of providing the best health care here on the Koala Boundary for right. tribal members? So I think it's real important that we get the best of the best. I mean, why not, right? And so when I think about uh, we're in our second cycle of the Tribal Health Improvement Plan, so the Cherokee Indian Hospital partners directly with Public Health and Human Services, And so we really are looking more at the population health indicators. Um, So the tribe has told us, the tribe, the tribal members have told us that violence, substance abuse, depression, and stuff like social determinants of health are some of the most important things that we need to be paying attention to over the next five years. So we're really going to knuckle down and get some really directives around that just so we're really focusing on some of those things that – that could um, impede our ability to be um, to ensure the next seven generations of our of our people, and um, that's kind of um, they're telling us that. So we have our answers, we have our solutions to um, to what we need. So that just kind of re- reinforces that. Well, we're going to be watching closely as the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians continue to evolve and continue to be leaders throughout Native America and. So many ways, not just healthcare, not just economic development, not just these cultural and education programs. It's been wonderful getting a chance to visit with you and our other guests today. I very much enjoy Cherokee, North Carolina. It's, I feel very much like a second home to me here. So I always, always enjoy coming out to the Koala Boundary. You going to be at the Powwow this weekend? I'm actually going on vacation. So we'll <laughs> see how that works out. All righty. Well, that's all the time we have for today's show on location. Cherokee, North Carolina. I'd like to thank our guests for sharing stories and highlights from the Koala Boundary on this 4th of July weekend, along with all the friendly people from the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians for welcoming the NAC crew into this proud and vibrant Native community. We're back in studio next week with a whole new lineup of Indigenous topics and issues here on Native America Calling. Our executive producer is Art Hughes. Our producers are Andy Murphy and Joel Traverso. Marino Spencer engineer. Show McPollin is the digital producer. Nola Daves Moses is the distribution director. Bob Peterson is the network manager for Native Voice One. Clifton Chadwick is our national underwriting sales director. Antonia Gonzalez is the anchor for National Native News. 
Charles Sather is our Chief Operations Officer. The President and CEO of Quantic Broadcast Corporation, Jacqueline Salee. I'm your host, Sean Spruce. Have a great weekend. Support by the Smithsonian's National Museum of the American Indian, presenting Ancestors Know Who We Are, a new online exhibition that features works by six contemporary black indigenous women artists. Joelle Joyner, Paige Pettibon, Moira Pernambuco, Monica Rickert-Bolter, Stormy Weber, and Rodslin Brown, addressing race, gender, multiracial identity, and intergenerational knowledge. More at AmericanIndian.si.edu. First baby, don't know where to start, CMS program coverage, prenatal service, enroll today. Contact your local Indian health care provider for more information. Visit healthcare.gov or call 1-800-318-2596. A message from Center for Medicare and Medicaid Service. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.